0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Survivor Girl podcast. Today, I have another wonderful, fantastic guest on, and this is going to be my great friend, David. David, welcome to our podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. Greatly appreciate it.
0: So david's gonna share with us his story about being a caregiver and his own experience with facing his own mortality so let's get started david who was the first person to deal with cancer in your immediate family and when did this occur
1: for me it was my father my father dealt with cancer early i would say mid-year 1989.
0: What led your dad to go to the doctor initially? What was happening that made him concerned?
1: My father had developed a lump on his throat that grew to be about literally a baseball sized lump on his throat that we obviously knew that had to be taken care of or rectified quickly.
0: What type of cancer was your dad diagnosed with
1: the I forgot the technical name, but ultimately it was throat cancer. And if this wasn't taken care of, it would lead to, you know, his inability to talk, which anybody, if you knew him, would have been difficult and possibly death.
0: So saying that, what was the process of treatment for him? What type of treatment and everything did he go through?
1: So in 1990, he ended up going through chemo, chemo and radiation, chemotherapy and radiation. So he had exactly 14 weeks, uh, seven weeks of each. So one week would be chemo, one week would be radiation. And it alternated till he completed both.
0: And what was happening to him physically at that time? And how was your family coping with what they were seeing him go through?
1: It was transitional in the sense that one, my mom had to start working because before then she was a housewife. He himself, he would, he, he lost his ability to grow a beard. If you knew my dad, that was a big thing for him. And he became smaller. I think before he took ill, his max weight was like 175, 180. After that, he was never above 150.
0: So after treatment, when did he go into remission? About how long did it take before he was able to be in remission?
1: He was in remission by the end of 1990. It was transformative for him because after that, he went on to become a minister. And that kind of really led his, you know, that began his faith journey after such a traumatic ordeal dealing with cancer. And he was in remission till his latter years right before his death.
0: So now he's in remission and everything seems to be going well. When did you find out your mom had cancer? What had led her to the doctor and and, and that was showing concern?
1: So this is May of 2003, right around the time I graduated undergraduate. She was coughing a lot and she was ultimately coughing blood and. She kept it, they kept it for me because I was the baby of the children, but ultimately they knew something was wrong. So before I um, shipped out to grad school at the time at University of Toronto, they started going through options to see what could be done to, you know, deal with her cancer in particular.
0: So how much time was it then between his original diagnosis and her diagnosis?
1: Roughly 13 years.
0: So what was the process of treatment for her?
1: She had lung cancer initially, so she went through some form of chemotherapy, which she lost all of her hair. And then it led to the removal of one of her lungs to remove what they thought was the primary area of cancer so that way she could be in remission.
0: And when did it become clear that she was going to transition and how did you initially handle it?
1: So the cancer ultimately metastasized to her brain in December of 2003. She had brain surgery January of 03. It didn't become clear to roughly the end of... February 03 that she was to be terminal as a 23 year old man at the time couldn't process it is the best way to put it it was hard to believe because we felt that well you know my dad had beat cancer so the logic was all right well he won so she'll do she'll do well but that wasn't the case it was a lot of soul searching and spiritual questioning once I realized my mother was soon to transition
0: so after she transitioned how did how did your family move on how did you how were you guys able to cope with the loss of her
1: i don't think cope is a good word i think we just managed my dad didn't do well that was his wife of 32 years so as you can imagine him losing his wife he didn't take too well to it myself and my sister we never properly grieved for a long time just Because how we were, for lack of better words, forced to handle the grieving, which was very difficult as, you know, we're strong in our faith and believers in Christ. But the human side of us couldn't process that. Our mother was gone and our mother died six days after she turned 50. So at the time, there was a big feeling of unfairness that, you know, she was really young to, to raise her she literally lived to get married and raise her kids and died so it was very difficult to to process and I know for me that began my therapy journey so I could kind of deal with the grief of it but it was very very difficult.
0: So years of class and when did it become clear your dad was no longer in remission and how did you initially find that out?
1: Well our father we often joke had nine lives so he was he had been ill multiple times, I want to say 2015 scare, 2017 scare, and then 2019, ultimately, and this is information I didn't find out after he passed, he knew in the winter, December of 2019, that he had advanced cirrhosis and liver cancer. My dad would tell anyone he was an avid drinker and he'd been drinking since 13, so he wasn't surprised. Ultimately, his illness was concurrent with the advent of COVID. So COVID indirectly had a big hand in how he was ill in that we had his MRI March 16th. If anyone remembers, that's the week, at least in the United States, that the world began to close. So we didn't know how bad it was because he was having mini and micro strokes. We didn't get the MRI information back until the last week of April. Subsequently, he has the major stroke may 14th right in front of me which ultimately led to finding out us finding out that he had liver cancer and advanced cirrhosis we didn't know he was going to transition until may 28th and and the significance of the date is again COVID had now really kind of taking its grip worldwide specifically where we were at and when I took him to the hospital I couldn't go into the hospital so I didn't know he was going to transition till May 28th and I found out via hospital iPad that logged in to tell me my sister and my nephew he's going to hospice so it was it it was painful and impersonal given everything that was going on concurrently so it was a lot to process at one time.
0: And now he's transitions. How did you handle it the second time around? I imagine you've already dealt with the loss of, of your mom and now you're here it is a second time. How does your body even process it, losing a second parent?
1: I've never been in the military, but a lot of people say I have military bearing. I would say once you deal with death one time, nothing prepares you but you i mean you kind of review what you went through the first time you know And his death COVID helped and hurt in that i couldn't really linger in it for a long period of time because he was um he was announced that he was going to hospice may 28th his transition was june 17th and he had kind of prepared us for him dying one day and so it was just kind of leaning on things and you know executing his final wishes making sure he was good and the difference for me was my my, my my sister was the primary caretaker for our mother. I was the primary caretaker for our father. So for me, it was just kind of anyone knows me, removing my emotions from the situation to make sure things were handled decently in order. As I knew, you know, I wasn't going to be able to grieve too later on down the line.
0: And between the two, I know this might sound kind of harsh, but which one would you say you handled was a little bit harder for you to handle?
1: mother by a mile i was 23 i had just started grad school in another country at the time i was engaged in a stepfather and i was away from them and i was looking to start my life if you will as an adult so i often used to compare it to anyone who's ever watched the cosby show the end of the cause the very last episode where theo goes away to college and you know, Claire and Heathcliff were kind of walking off the set. And that's kind of how I envisioned it for our parents, for my, my parents that, you know, they raised their two kids, they, you know, sent them off to grad school and now they were going to enjoy his life and their life. And, with less than eight months of that, she was gone. And you know, that was the first close, close death I ever dealt with. Whereas with my dad, between my dad, my mother and father passing, I've had lost numerous friends and things like that. So unfortunately I've become well acquainted with loss and death. Whereas with my dad, it was more so like, all right, I can execute his wishes and things like that. With my mother, I had no input or anything like that. So it emotionally hit me much harder.
0: Tell me about your own brush with death. I know this came shortly after your father's passing. So how did losing them change how you handled your own scare? Well, November
1: of 2020, I was ultimately rushed to the cardiovascular ICU as I was diagnosed as type 2 diabetic. I had a blood sugar of 496. This was about four or five months after his death, um, I was working out is, you know, trying, well, rather I couldn't work out. So I had did a variation of a keto diet, find a medical professional next time you do one of those. So, you know, I was drinking more water, more Drinks like Powerade, Body Armors, um, not eating much, and my sugar was plateauing a lot. I ultimately had what's called ketoacidosis, which is also known as fruity fruit fruity breath, where, you know, it's a sign that if you have this, you really should go to the hospital. But me being an athlete all my life, I just, as we say, thugged it out and just toughed it out. I had ketoacidosis for two weeks, which when the doctors found out, they were like, you are a medical miracle in how you're alive. Ultimately, you know, I was went to work one day on a Saturday didn't feel good, went home, felt awful. friend of mine came by who's an EMT, took my blood, and rushed me to his hospital. If it wasn't for him taking me to his hospital, almost 20 miles away, because I could not get into a hospital. Again, this is November 2020, so we are in the throngs of COVID. I would have died. I ended up being rushed, almost blacked out, rushed into ER. I woke up the next morning and was told I had diabetes. For me, mortality, my own mortality hadn't hit me because of my parents. It was until I was in the hospital bed that I had to have the oh damn moment if you will that you're not that young and you need to take care of yourself it wasn't that I wasn't trying to take care of myself I just kind of found it ironic that here I am trying to lose weight and this is what got me here I think you know it would have been different if hadn't my dad had my dad not have died but it impacted me because this was the first time in over 30 years I had been in a hospital and my parents weren't there. And due to tra- due to restrictions, my sister couldn't be there. So I was completely in the hospital by myself. And I think the thing that scared me was, man, if I got to go, it'd be kind of jacked up. The only thing I would have with me is two phones and two iPads and no loved ones near me. But in the end, everything has worked out. But it, it also made me realize that, hey, you're no spring chicken and you can go at any time, too.
0: So, what would you say has changed about you physically and mentally, and probably even spiritually and emotionally, since all of this has occurred? Death
1: is real. You know, as a, you know, my dad took sick when I was nine the first time. My mom took sick when I was 22. My dad passed when I was. 38 37 38 but it took for me to hit 40 to really realize that you know in theory you're at the halfway point of your life you're not a child you're, your your body is not young you need to take care of yourself i mean since then i've lost weight i've went from my highest point of 235 down to currently 190. i eat better um i eat with intention not just because i'm hungry spiritually i i value the day more i value people and relationships more because with the advent of covid and everything else i've lost lost quite a few friends and family but it also makes me appreciate those that are here and you know I I truly live by the phrase carpe diem which is seize the day because you never know when death is going to seize you
0: so what advice would you give to someone who is a caregiver to an ailing parent
1: don't take it personal enjoy every moment you have because you don't know When it's going to be the last moment, don't beat yourself up because you don't have the ability to heal. Whoever you believe your higher power, whether it's God, Buddha, whatever, don't be mad at them because death is a part of life. And that's something I can't stress enough because when my mom died, I was mad at God for a year. (laughs) so i would say you know death is a part of life we don't think it's fair but one day we're gonna die and i would say surround yourself with a tribe of people who truly love you and care for you because of some of the things i've went through i've had to let go of people who i thought were my friends but really weren't and kind of keep your eye your spiritual eye open to who's around you and do not trauma bond I can't stress that enough. Do not trauma bond with people because you're going through something and keep your eye open on people and their intentions for and with you during those moments.
0: And what advice would you give to someone about handling grief after losing a loved one in particular, your parents to a terminal illness?
1: Make sure the affairs are in order. We were thankful that we, my sister and I, shouldered a lot of that. But as cruel as this sounds, have to talk with your parents before they get ill. Do they have insurance? Do they have a will and testament? Um, What do they want? Because, you know, a lot of times in black culture, we don't like talking about that. And unfortunately, the, the skeletons come out when people die. I know in the case of my mom, it did not as much as my dad. But find out all this information and, you know, once the inevitable is imminent, make it as comfortable as possible for them and prepare yourself as much as you can. Because truth be told, even if you know someone's going to die a year from today, it's still going to hurt the day it happens, uh, the moment it happens. And just be good to yourself. And while you're giving as much to them, make sure people are pouring into you because after death is when people tend to lose themselves and, you know, go in different dark directions, possibly, and make sure that you got people to fall back on when you in your mo- in your darkest moments afterwards.
0: So then would you recommend therapy to people that are going through grief and loss and even just being a caregiver at that time?
1: Absolutely. Find a therapist that you're comfortable with and find the great thing about therapy is they don't know you. A therapist, they don't know you. So it's not like friends, family that can judge you. Just, you know, sometimes you need that person to just unload to and just to give you perspective. I've maintained a therapist for almost two and a half years, starting when he got ill. And I mean, she's been a guy. She was a godsend just to have different perspective, because I don't know how I would have done it without her.
0: And I appreciate that, honestly. And I really do appreciate having you. You guys, thank you again for listening. We will be back here next time with another great guest. But thank you, David, for coming on with me. And I appreciate you sharing your story.
1: No problem. Thank you again for having me.